Well, good morning. It's my privilege to welcome you to Central today, where we seek transformation through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that's what you truly experience here among God's people and in the ministries of our church as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus together as a community. This winter and spring, we're studying how to do just that according to life by God's design, looking at the Ten Commandments. In a sense, the Ten Commandments are somewhat of God's blueprint for how God's people best flourish in God's world. And this morning, we come to the third commandment, which is about God's name. Now, sometimes now, but especially in the Bible, a name was more than just a label, more than something that gave you something to call another person. But especially then, a name was intended to be descriptive. Descriptive of who that person is, describing something deep and true about who they are. The early church father Origen describes God's name as the personal character of God. So what might it mean for us to treat his name, treat his character with respect? Let's pray as we turn our hearts and our minds to Exodus chapter 20 and Matthew chapter 7. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes by the power of your spirit, that we would behold Jesus. Open our ears that we would hear him and renew our wills that we might follow. Lord, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight for you, O Lord, are our rock and you are our redeemer. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus 20 and then to Matthew 7. You can find a pew Bible in front of you and the page numbers are marked for you in the bulletin, page 61 for Exodus 20. Hear God's word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And now down to Matthew 7, page 812 in your pew Bible. These are words of Jesus. Jesus said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit and the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right, so participation time. Raise your hand if you or your mom or dad or your grandfather or your grandmother had ever said something to you that sounds like this. Turn that movie off. I don't like hearing all that cussing in that movie. Anybody ever have... Okay, most of us, good, excellent. Um, 
What I want you to know is your mom or your dad, your grandmother, your grandfather, they weren't merely being prudes because they didn't want to hear that cussing or depending on where you're from, all that cursing. They weren't just being prudes. They were seeking to honor this third commandment. Sometimes we read not to take God's name in vain, meaning don't speak God's name with with vanity or in other words, without giving his name the respect that's due the king of heaven and earth. Don't speak his name thoughtfully and especially don't add his name as some sort of descriptor of a string of curse words. And that's absolutely right. That is a true and faithful application of this text. But the third commandment goes way deeper than just the words on our lips. Some throughout church history have understood this commandment as speaking to the taking of oaths and our Anabaptist uh, brothers and sisters in church history in fact refused to take any kind of oath precisely because of this commandment. I think they went too far. I think there are lawful applications of giving oaths and even swearing by the name of the living God. But the true application of this is be truthful because the God whose name we bear is a truthful God. Tell the truth wherever we are. That's part of what this commandment is teaching, but the heart of the commandment goes way deeper than the cuss words on our lips or are we being truthful in the moment? The verb that's translated take here, don't take the Lord's name in vain, can be understood as bearing or lifting up God's name in how we behave, especially when we understood vanity here as a sense of weightlessness or unreality or emptiness. So what the command is saying is don't bear or don't wear around the name of God as if it's emptiness to you. As if the name of God has no weight in your life or naming God is, is an unreality in you. Don't live in such an empty fashion before the face of God. Because we've been given God's name. We are his precious people. We're given the name of the lamb. The people who passed through the exodus were named because of the Passover lamb. Gave them deliverance from judgment. And we are delivered from judgment through Christ our Passover lamb. Don't walk around living your life as if his name scrawled over your life in the blood of Jesus as if it's weightless or inconsequential, as if being, bearing the name of God makes no difference in your life whatsoever. That's what the third command is really about. Do we live aware that we bear the name of God in our whole lives? I read a story this week about a man who worked for an installation company for a little while and he drove this bright yellow van from spot to spot and put insulation in attics and in businesses and all the other places and that bright yellow van had the owner's name of the company painted on the side of the van and the phone number. I think the guy's name was Kevin, if I remember right. And so Kevin's name was painted in red letters across this yellow van and, and his phone number. It was like a rolling advertisement for this company. So everywhere this worker went his, had this man's name, Kevin's name, literally scrawled over the top of all of his work everywhere he went. So one day he came into work and saw Kevin with a, a metal sander and he was sanding off the side of the van. He was getting all the paint, the yellow paint, the red paint with the name and phone number. He wanted all of it gone from this van. And the man said, I don't, I need the van for work. Kevin said, I don't use this other one. I'm getting this one ready to sell. And I don't want my name and my phone number to remain on this van after I sell it because I don't have any idea who's going to buy this van. 
and they might use this van and drive wherever they want. Maybe they're going to drive to a strip club. Maybe they're going to hold up a bank. I have no idea, but that's my name and my company and my reputation on the side of that van, and I don't want somebody dragging my name through the mud like that. It's a little bit what's in mind with the third commandment here. What God is calling us to is not to drive our life or park our life in front of a place bearing the name of Jesus on us as his people. Don't drive your life into a place of sin and deceit. Don't walk around with God's name written upon you as if it doesn't matter, as if it's inconsequential, as if God's name on you is weightless in the way that you live your life. That's what the third commandment is really about. What I want us to do this morning is to spin out two different scenarios of where we see that happen, not only in the Bible, but also in our lives too. And here are the scenarios. The first one is living with an empty faith. And the second is lending God's name to our personal agenda. Let's take those one by one. First, the third commandment forbids us from living with an empty faith, an unreality to our faith, a weightlessness of the claims of God on our lives as his people. So again, woodenly translated, Exodus 20 verse 7 says, you shall not lift up or bear or wear the name of the Lord your God as if it is weightless or unreality in your life said this many times before over the past year that we belong to God. He's our creator. He fashioned us. He formed us. He made us to be like him and sent us into this world to represent him in this world. We belong to him. He's he's our creator, but he's also our redeemer. We belong to God twice. He made us and then he saved us. He's delivered us from enslavement to our sin. He's delivered us from the power of our sin in our lives and what that means is God puts his name on us he's added his name to ours he's brought us into his family and we see that all over the old testament that God's people Israel are called his people the sheep of his pasture the dear possession of his hand we bear God's name as his family members as his children And in the New Testament, we see on the lips of Jesus in in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, that we are called to be baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The name of God is placed upon us and it, it marks our identity. And so in everything that we do, everywhere that we go, we bear the name of God on our lives, the name of God scrawled over our lives in the the blood of Jesus because we belong to him as his redeemed children. The question is, do we bear that name lightly? Do we walk around with the name of God upon us as if it really doesn't matter, if that identity of belonging to God doesn't direct how we live our lives? Or put a different way, do we realize that we walk around bearing God's reputation scrawled across our lives in the blood of Jesus? In how we live our whole lives, everywhere we go, everywhere we do, we bear God's reputation. And does that matter? Does it matter to how we live? Does it matter where we go? Along those lines, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, the verses I read a moment ago, brings us back to the third commandment. 
He says in Matthew 7, verse 15, about, talks about false prophets who appear one way on the surface, but it's not who they really are. They appear in sheep's clothing. That is, they, they look like they belong to the people of God. They look like they are bearing, literally bearing sheepskin over themselves. They're bearing the name of God, but inwardly these false prophets are ravenous wolves. They look like they're his, but the inward reality of their hearts is very different. So how can you tell the difference? What Jesus says, we do a little fruit inspection. Good fruit, good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. You look at at the fruit of someone's life and ask what's coming out of their lives, what's being produced in their lives. Are, are, Are these people exhibiting the fruit of the spirit? That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest, gentleness. Those fruit of the Spirit of God, if if he's alive within us, he reproduces his character in us, and that's what comes out. Jesus here takes a little bit of a counterintuitive turn. He's warning us against counterfeit fruit. Sometimes we live our lives exactly how we want, and when we get in front of other people, we try to tape the fruit of the Spirit onto our lives as if it's real fruit taped onto branches of the tree of life. And it's counterfeit. We pretend for a season like we have love or joy or peace or patience or gentleness, but soon enough it's gonna be revealed that's not who we are on the inside. Put another way, so often we find ourselves play acting as if we belong to God living and looking one way at church when people have their eyes on us, but living as a completely different kind of person in different parts of my life. I live one way in public. When I'm here and we all have our smiles on, happy people at church on Sunday morning, but when I'm alone and in the private, I'm a very different person. It's different in how I treat my spouse be all kind at church when everybody's looking, but when we get home, I can be rude and demanding and cruel. Or when I'm behind my computer screen, am I aware that I'm bearing the name of God when I'm behind the computer screen as well? Or when I'm filling out my expense reports or filling out my tax return, am I aware of bearing the name of God throughout my whole life? That's, that's the real question. Now, what Jesus is not doing here is expecting his children to live with perfection. That's not what this is about. It's really not even about his children living especially well. Because when we look at what the Bible says about calling on the name of the Lord, God's people, God's children, call on the name of the name of the Lord for grace. We call on him when we're desperate, when we know that we need forgiveness. We call on the name of the Lord when we need to be delivered from being entangled to our sin. I can't get myself out. God help me. We call on the name of the Lord when we are needing salvation. That's when we call on his name. Are we calling on him because we know that we need him? Or are we living as if his name has no power in our lives? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Look at the next verses, verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a scary verse, isn't it? And verse 22 Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Doing all these amazing, powerful things in public. 
bearing the name of God and how we behave in public, having the appearance of the fruit of belonging to God. When I'm in public, it's like I'm taping apples to the tree of my life and pretending they're real. Jesus isn't interested in counterfeit fruit. He's not interested in us pretending that we call on his name for grace and deliverance and salvation. We see it in how he describes these same people in the next verse, the next verse is verse 21. These people called him Lord. These people who were doing these great things in public knew what to call Jesus. In fact, they called on him with emotion, with, with deep feeling. That's what it means in the Bible when a name is repeated. Lord, Lord, it's, I'm emotionally attached to you here. I'm calling out to you here, Jesus. Remember how Jesus, when he was coming into Jerusalem in anguish, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you to myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks. It's with feeling, it's, it's with emotion. Or King David, when his son Absalom had, a, had a, attempted a coup and he, he ended up being killed, and David says, Absalom, Absalom, my dear son Absalom. These people call on Jesus' name with deep feeling about him, with, with an emotion when they're in public. They, they even do have this record of doing incredibly spectacular things for God. They, they cast out demons. They speak prophetically in his name, did mighty works all in the name of God. They, they feel deeply about him. They call on him, and they're doing incredible stuff. So how do you know that their fruit is rotten? even with this spectacular record in public. Well, do you take note of what they were depending on? What they were clinging to as they approached Jesus rather than them coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, we need you. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need your deliverance. We know how much you've done for us, Lord. That's, that's, that's the, the plea of our lives, what you have done for me, Jesus. But instead, what's their posture? Look at all I've done for you, God. Look at my record. I call on your name. I've cast out demons. I've done mighty works. I've I've, I've, I've prophesied in your name. Look at all that I've done for you, Jesus. You owe me because of all I've done for you. That's the heart of someone who pretends for public consumption. And in our hearts, we really care nothing about the name of God. It's describing a person who would rather call on the name of Jesus so that my name is exalted. You think better of me. Think I'm this great, wonderful Christian. Are we concerned about the name of God or are we concerned about lifting high our own names, our own reputations? That's what this commandment is getting to in our hearts and our lives. We break the third commandment when we live with hypocrisy and create this sense of illusion of intimacy with Jesus, of dependence on Jesus, of truly walking with Jesus when that's not true of our hearts at all. We're doing this in our own strength. We're doing it to be noticed. We're doing it so that everybody will think I'm great. We break the third commandment when we play church. And we show up in worship in order to see and be seen. When we come to church and in the house of God's people in order to have an advantage in a business deal, we're seeking to make a name for ourselves 
my name that's counted weighty and significant rather than Jesus' name? It's a hard question for us to grapple with, isn't it? Is there a reality and a weight to my felt experience of my need for Jesus? Do I know how deeply I need him? Do I know how much the Lord is calling me to repent about in the way I live my life? Do I know how desperate I am for his mercy and his power in my life? Or is Jesus's name on my lips more like name dropping? I'm connected to Jesus. Aren't I terrific? Remember, friends, Jesus' name in the New Testament literally translated means Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus means. Yahweh is that covenant name of God, that, the name that he revealed to Moses in the burning bush that, that he, is, he tells him to call upon him as his personal character, his intimate personal name. Yahweh, the personal God, saves. That's Jesus' name. Do you know him? Do you know the real Jesus today? The real Jesus who sees inside our hearts, knows what's there, and moves toward us in grace and mercy and tenderness and with a desire to forgive, a desire to cleanse. Do you know that Jesus or are we so busy hiding that we won't even come to Jesus with honesty? Friends, have you depended on Jesus the name which means Yahweh saves. Because as Jesus went to that cross, he not only went to the cross bearing God's name, but he went to the cross bearing your name. Your name was written on his heart. Your name was on his lips and his heart and his mind as he went to the cross, as he bore God's justice for all of our sin, as he defeated the devil for us. As he gives us victory in him, triumph over the grave, triumph over our sin, Jesus bore your name and God's name going to the cross to conquer all of our shame so that when we call on him, we call on the one who has redeemed us at the cost of his own life. He not only knows your name, he loves you. He sees us as we are and he loves us enough that he gave his own life for you and me. When we call on the name of the Lord, are we more interested in playing church and making a name for ourselves or do we seek to live for the one who died for us? That's what the second commandment's about. Don't live an empty life of faith. Secondly, the third commandment forbids us from using God's name for our own agenda, our own purposes. Jesus spoke about false prophets in Matthew 7, and we see all through the Old Testament what false prophets had in common is they would say something is God's will. They would put God's name on one of their proclamations, tie God's reputation and his power to something that had absolutely nothing to do with what God really wanted. But instead was everything about that own prophet's agenda or purpose, something to accrue to them as a benefit. That's what a false prophet does. Uses the name of God to gather fame or attention or something for myself. Friends, whenever we try to use God's name to get our way for something, that's breaking the third commandment. 
Just a few historical scenarios is how this, how this has worked out. We'll start with the Crusades. Not everything about the Crusades was equally horrible. It's true. But the bucket of what was genuinely horrible about the Crusades is a pretty big bucket. What the Crusades had was an institutionalization of cruelty and violence and torture, all under a banner. This was their banner. It said, it is God's will. They were using God's name, God's authority for their own land grabbing, God's name for their own sake of vanity and pride and conquering, and that's breaking the third commandment. They were using God's authority for something that they wanted to do, and it had nothing to do with the kingdom of the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Or second scenario, let's think about our own Southern Presbyterian forefathers who spoke of dark-skinned Africans as bearing the curse of Ham from Genesis. And if they could convince themselves, misusing the Bible, that dark-skinned Africans bore the curse of Ham, then they didn't need to be treated with the sacredness of image bearers of God. They could be generationally abused, horribly abused. And they did so for generations, using the Bible to do it, misusing the Bible to support and prop up their own sinful hearts, sinful motives of greed and racism. And friends, that was all about violating the third commandment. Using God's name as authority for my sin. Or a couple summers ago, I read the book, The Killers of the Flower Moon. It's now been made into a movie by Martin Scorsese, a very long three and a half hour movie of Martin Scorsese. And what you see running throughout that book, which is a a historical account, is people quoting Bible verses on the top of abusing Native Americans over and over and over and over and over again. It's breaking the third commandment. Trying to gather the authority of God to my place when it's all about my agenda, my purpose. It has nothing to do with God. It's the third commandment. Reminds me of one of my favorite stories, favorite books of the Chronicles of Narnia series, The Last Battle. It, it happened in the western regions of Narnia, kind of out there in the wild west of Narnia, if there was a wild west of Narnia. And um, you might remember that there was confusion all over the place in Narnia because there was an ape whose name was Shift. And he managed to convince this naive donkey to wear a lion skin draped on his back. And if he had this donkey walking around with a lion skin on his back, he could parade that donkey around and tell everybody, this is Aslan. He could manipulate them to do whatever that ape wanted them to do. He could do this thing or that silly thing or manipulate them in this way or that way. Pretty soon, people began to figure out that that donkey was a counterfeit Aslan. Wasn't the real Aslan at all. And what happened in the western regions of Narnia is no one believed in Aslan anymore. That's what happens with violations of the third commandment. When we lend God's name as validation and authority for our own agendas, we end up destroying trust in God's name. That's why it's so important. We hear about, we read about the the crisis of deconstruction in our culture, particularly among our younger people. They're deconstructing the faith, deconstructing what does, who is God really? What does this Bible really teach? And 
Deconstruction, friends, in so many ways boils down to the way that the church has broken the third commandment. We've given the name of God to things that were abusive. Given the name of God to things that had nothing to do with his kingdom, nothing to do with his his agenda, nothing to do with his mission, but was more about making a name for ourselves. Is there any doubt that some people might question, is this whole Christian faith thing real or not? It's about the third commandment. Honoring God's name for his kingdom and his mission. Breaking the third commandment doesn't have to be as big as these history-shaping abuses like I cited above. It can be as simple as our recent Christian contestant on the TV show, Dances with the Stars. You know how that show goes? It's just normal person and a star and they're paired together and they dance and they, they try to get people to vote for them so they can stay on the show and the people who have the least amount of votes get voted off. Not too long ago, there was a Christian contestant on Dances with the Stars and he went on Twitter to tweet this out. Vote for me. Those of us who stand with Christ won't be discounted. That's breaking the third commandment. It matters no bit at all to the kingdom of God, to the mission of God, for this man to try to manipulate people to vote for him because he's a Christian, to increase his own fame. That's the third commandment. Or, and I know I'm stepping on toes with this, but this command screams for it to be proclaimed at this moment in our history as a people. Whenever a politician any politician, I don't care what stripe or sort. When any politician goes to a church and says, a vote for me is a vote for God. Or if you support my candidacy, you're supporting the Lord. Please remember the third commandment. Because Jesus is king over all nations and over all peoples. And we shall not reduce his name to a set of partisan policy prescriptions. No party has a monopoly on the kingdom of God. No party has a hold on what Jesus wants to do in this world. Now, don't don't think I'm coming after one party or another. I'm coming after everybody. (laughs) It's across the board. My agenda, and I'm attaching God's name to it as if to support me is to support God. Now, what I want you to hear me say is, as we enter this election season, please vote. And please vote your consciences and your convictions. And please, please, please let Scripture inform your consciences and your convictions. But don't reduce the name of God to something as weightless as a partisan platform of some party. He is the living God. And as God's people, we are united around the name of our Redeemer. Not a common set of policies, not prescriptions about what should be done about this thing or that thing or the other. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong not to a party. We don't belong to any politician. We belong to Jesus. The one who bled for us and died for us to make us his his own. The one who has written his name across us. He's put our name in the Lamb's book of life in his own blood. And no politician and no party will ever do that for you. We bow the knee to Jesus. Or something closer to home in my own life. 
So simple. It's really easy to try to gather an advantage to myself in some way if I simply let it drop that I'm a pastor. When it suits my purposes, like I maybe get a better parking spot. <laughs> maybe get a discount somewhere. Somebody will have pity on me as a pastor. If, if I let it drop that I bear the name of one of God's servants. Does God's name mean so little that I could reduce him to a 20% discount? We break the third commandment when we use God to further our own agendas, our own purposes. Let's remember, friends, what we have because we bear the name of God. We have a Jesus who lived a perfect life that we could never live and has given us a gift of righteousness to be received by faith. And he went to his cross to die in our place that he might remove all of our sin and our shame, that he might defeat the devil for us. He was raised from the dead in victory over all of that, promising to make everything new. And that same Jesus now sits on the throne and rules over the universe. And he knows your name. And he loves you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life and he's given you gifts and benefits because we bear his name. In Christ, the one who reigns, we have a love that can never be lost, can never be diminished. We have a life that can never die. Because we bear God's name, we have a righteousness that can't be tarnished. We have a rest that will never be disturbed. We have a hope that will not be dis disappointed. We have a light that will not be consumed by darkness. We have a purity that will never be defiled. We have a strength that cannot be enfeebled. And we have at our hands resources that will never be exhausted. That's what we have from the Lord whose name we bear. Let us not settle for making a name for ourselves when we have such a glorious name, a family name, an eternal name given to us. Let's walk with him. Let's pray. Lord, we sometimes are overwhelmed that the king of glory would give his name to people like us. So Lord, today we call upon your name for your deliverance and your forgiveness and your salvation. We call upon your name to bring hope that can't be diminished. We call on your name to bring that hope to people who are struggling and suffering right now. We call on your name of righteousness to, given, to be given to those of us who can't muster up our own righteousness. In life, Lord, when we feel like we're in the throes of death and, and rest when we feel like we're worn out, and purity where we keep wandering in the land of defilement, Lord, give us the gift and the benefits of knowing your name written over our lives in the blood of Jesus. And help us to walk with you being satisfied that we bear your name even if no one ever honors our name. May they honor yours by how we live. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.